Climate change can be an overwhelming and divisive topic. Buddhist practice offers tools to help us turn toward the problem. Change in global or regional climate patterns is distinct from the constructs we create about that change. In this series, Sangha members offer reflections on how the threefold way of ethics, meditation, and wisdom can provide a dharmic lens for practicing with the sense of urgency climate change can evoke, with our metaphorical hair on fire. This segment focuses on meditation. The temperature's rising and the ocean's rising and... I've seen the devastation that flooding causes to local communities and to habitats. I've seen um, the suffering that people experience when um, they're in a degraded community, even around aquatic resources. It's the worst drought in 1400 years. Uh, the levels of trash, really, and the pollution in the oceans and the waterways, whether it's politics or climate change or any kind of social justice, if we're fed this constant barrage of information and we're filled with fear, then we get immobilized. Climate change is really uh, itself horrible, but one of multiple uh, environmental crises that are happening, including the fact that um, nuclear power plants and the uh, area of Fukushima, which was just devastated, they, they are often on the coast uh, and nuclear waste is often stored, not always, but sometimes stored in coastal areas, which may be underwater uh, relatively soon. And so it's all interlinked. My parents' beach house um, has been hit by a hurricane um, like four of the last five years. <laughs> I was just there with them last week and had to leave a day early to evacuate. The methane, the, the, the kind of uh, icy methane that's been trapped under there, both in the tundra and, and under these, this coastal stuff, is trillions of tons of methane. And if that gets out for any reason whatsoever, you can kiss this atmosphere goodbye. But the thing that's really, really scary is volcanoes. You know, one of the more direct ways in which I have been influenced by the changing climate is increasing wildfires here in California and the threat of all of these different communities that I'm building up here basically burning down. If, for example, you are trying to find a way to accept the fact that your child will die because you cannot get the medicine that your child needs, and probably you cannot relieve pain of your child because you cannot get ibuprofen or pain reliever. In that situation, the climate change is not something that concerns you at all. Enough. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, the sitting here. This opening to the life. We have refused again and again until now. Until now. The more meditation I do, hopefully the easier it is not to become hysterical. Both 
in the grand level and the personal, you know, they looked at me cross-eyed or, you know, cut me off in the traffic. It's like the recognition that there is hysteria and that I don't have to get caught up in it. And the sad thing of watching people get caught up in it, people that you know and like and, and, and seeing them, to my perception, go off in hysterical, hysteresis loops, if you will, to bring in electronics. My name is Ben Ovshinsky. I first connected with FWBO in 1980. I became a Mitra about seven, eight years ago in San Francisco, and I'm a GFR Mitra for the last four years. If the Dharma is about personal liberation, that's it. You don't have to concern yourself with anything else, because anything else is samsara, and it's always going to be there, whether it's climate change or whether it's God forbid, nuclear war or, you know, Nazism, whatever, that stuff, that shit's always there. Uh, I've never seen that disappear, and that's not likely to. So I personally identify with this idea that it's about personal liberation and a personal salvation, uh, personal de-hysterializing. Um, and that just tells me that's all I need to do. Really, I, I suppose is, and and my practice on the personal aspect is meditation. So I'm Frank Gallivan. I'm a member of the San Francisco Sangha. I've been coming around for about ten years, and last year I joined the ordination training process. Um, so I'm I'm getting to know different levels of the organization and, and starting to to meet people from from different parts of the world as well. I, I had a little insight into a, a version of the Metabhavna that like really worked for me that I came up with. Well, what, what prompted it was I was asking myself, like, why am I even here in this world? Like, what is the point, you know? Um, and then I thought, I am trying to spread Meta in the world. And um, I'm trying to take good enough care of myself so that I'll be able to do that. And that second piece... It's really the clincher for me. It's about taking care of myself first. And so that's been helpful in general and just thinking about all the all the things about the world that I'd like to be different or, or ways that I imagine myself being a, a warrior for the social good um, is just checking back in and thinking, you know, if I'm not feeling the energy to do that, the building up that energy is part of the practice that would that would allow me um, in the end to, to spread meta. I'm Donna Maya. Uh, I live in Richmond, California, but I practice with the San Francisco Buddhist Center. I've been coming around to tree retina activities since the fall of 1990, so I'm coming up on 30 years. Um, I was ordained in 2002, so I guess I'm 17, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think that's that's pretty. I, oh, I, I retired um, three years ago uh, after a long career in healthcare. I was a, a, a family nurse practitioner, uh, so now I have uh, a lot more time to be bewildered about uh, the world and my place in it, <laughs> which is good to be bewildered uh, because then you can uh, you can really ask questions. Well, I've been really interested in the Upeksha Bhavana um, equanimity, which is a fantastic 
practice. Um, it's a practice that when you go deeply into it is so much more than just equanimity because it is, it is taking into account both the suffering that people have and compassion arising out of contact with that and also just mudita, the appreciation for the good that beings do um, and everybody has those two bits. We have suffering and we have uh, joy um, and the causes of suffering and the causes of joy. And to be really cognizant of that, to be able to hold that those two things together allows for something much fuller and richer than our usual understanding of equanimity. But this is not an easy practice. It takes a lot, I think, of cultivation to get really into it and get into the weeds with it, if, if you would. And, and, but I think that the, the approach doesn't have to be uh, complicated uh, because it all rests on metta. It all starts with metta. And that is probably one of the most powerful practices um, that uh, people can bring to bear on all manner of problems and difficulties, uh, fears, hopes. That's just really a very powerful approach. So recognizing that, I've kind of gone back to really exploring metta. And metta, not just on the cushion, but metta in all the little cracks and crevices of our daily life where we have just maybe 30 seconds at a stoplight. You can reflect on that. And I think of it as cultivating a basic attitude of friendliness. There's, there's practice on the cushion, there's practice off the cushion. And I don't think meditation necessarily stops just because you got up off of your cushion and are going about your day. It shouldn't. I mean, this has to leak into all of your life. It has, you have to be saturated in it, um, which makes more sense to me. And that's, that's really where I think ultimately the, the power of this practice is, is taking it out into the streets, if you will. That's a game changer. I think, for many of us. Shoulders by Naomi Shiabnai. A man crosses the street in rain, stepping gently, looking two times north and south because his son is asleep on his shoulder. No car must splash him, no car drive too near to his shadow. This man carries the world's most sensitive cargo, but he's not marked. Nowhere does his jacket say, fragile, handle with care. His ear fills up with breathing. He hears the hum of a boy's dream deep inside him. We're not going to be able to live in this world if we're not willing to do what he's doing with one another. The road will only be wide. The rain will never stop falling. My name is Vimala Moksha, and uh, I am a uh, hermit practitioner trying to make it here in the modern world and uh, trying to uh, find a way to be socially engaged and uh, work with all the disappointment we're facing in the world constructively in a beneficial way. So I, I live up at Dharmadara, which is a new retreat center that the San Francisco Buddhist Center has recently then 
putting more time and energy and money into. So yeah, I've been designing and building that facility over the last couple of years. Probably meta practice and insight practice, uh, meditation practice that is uh, aiming to really take on how I'm viscerally and emotionally reacting to this notion of a scale of increasing harm that may come of these irresponsible choices that have been made by uh, all of us. Uh, and somehow being able to sit with the disappointment that I have, the fear that I have, uh, the concern that I have, and, and just keep asking myself the question of what is a beneficial response to this like what is a helpful response to this and at different moments it's it's different approaches uh, sometimes it's just listening to an arcade fire song that's really passionately talking about the fear of the potential loss that we're up against in terms of people's well-being more than in terms of specific loss of specific environments the earth's going to be fine it's been through a variety of different uh, permutations of enormous ca catastrophes, you know, geologically or on a geological scale. But from a human perspective, we won't adapt that well to a lot of the different changes that we're that we're faced with, and it will have all of these political, social, psychological, and spiritual consequences for people. And that's where I'm most concerned. Uh, my name is Karuna Devi. And I was ordained by Bonte in 1993. And I'm a part of the San Francisco Buddhist Center. This woman who had been our neighbor for uh, nearly two years, and I'd never really talked with her. We just, we'd see each other in passing it around town. Um, and this one morning, uh, Chara City and I were coming out of the post office and she was going into the post office and we said, oh, how are, how are you, neighbor? And uh, she said, oh, do you really want to know? We said, sure, yeah, what's going on? And she just was just so open about being in this state of despair um, about the state of the world and particularly about climate change. And so, I mean, she and I just kind of stood there and talked a little bit. And I said, uh, you know that I had a new space in my house for meditation. And um, I'd, I'd really love to have, have people had to share that space some, sometimes. And would you be interested in, in, in meditating together? And she said, oh, it was like she just like, was so relieved, like, oh, that's just what I need to be doing, you know? And uh, so we exchanged phone numbers, and we, the next week we, we set it up, and we are now meditating together two to three times in the mornings, either at my place or at her place, and she lives across the street and down the road, so... It's been a really good thing for both of us, and we end up we end up talking as well after the meditation or before and checking in on how we're doing. And 
We are listening to Parmananda's lead meditations uh, from his book, The Myth of Meditation. And the, the way that he emphasizes being grounded and being aware of the, of the earth beneath us and the sky above us. And it, it's just opened up a kind of equanimity, I think, around the way things are right now and even knowing that we are in this crisis. Thanks for listening, and to everyone who shared reflections on climate change and meditation. Music and sound effects via Splice, produced by Capson Pro Audio, Martin Wave, and Producer Loops. With permission from the poets, Eva Sonsan read the poem Enough by David White, and Padmatara read Naomi Shihab Nye's poem Shoulders. For the Buddhist Center Online, I'm Mary Salome. Thank you.